0: Buckets, brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by Brandon Anderson, NBA Futures Analyst. This is your how to bet most improved player for the NBA season 2023-24. We'll go over how exactly to bet this award, what the key candidates are. We will give you best bets in this episode. We'll give you a guide uh, to how this award has been decided, Brandon's rules as usual, all sorts of cool stuff. And you can find more on this in the Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You get up to second information where the bets and money are coming in on. You get all sorts of cool stuff like all of our podcasts, all of our live shows. We're going to have more NBA live shows this season. So you're going to want to turn on notifications in the Action Network app. So you can check those out. We're going to try and give you the most up-to-date information on not only how to bet games, totals, props, all of that, but also take a look at how to bet futures in the moment we're gonna be more reactive this season that's my goal here on buckets and with the action network and the action network app want to give a quick shout out make sure to check out the action network youtube page just go to youtube.com and search for the action network and check out our page give us a like and subscribe helps us out so much really appreciate it all right, Brandon. Uh, so we're we we um, we're recording this on Tuesday, September 26th at 5.25 p.m. We were supposed to record this episode last Friday, and the reason we didn't is because I was like, uh, I think Dame might get traded by the weekend. And, of course, he didn't, and I should have known that because Masai Ujiri is involved. And so um, we did the Dame episode. I've talked a lot about Dame on other platforms. We're going to go ahead and do M- MIP. I-, I do feel like we need to start with a caveat that this episode, the value could shift. We'll have best bets before the season on awards. We're going to do an entire awards show where I'm going to get the whole Buckets crew giving out best bets. So if things change between now and then with the trade or trades or many trades, we'll obviously react to that and give you up to the second information. But today, I, we're going to go ahead And hope that, I don't know, a day, two days, this lasts uh, before what most people are expecting is Damian Lillard trade before next Monday, which is media day. Let's start with, you're going to take the reins on this one because I have some general stuff I want to look at, but your rules, as always, are very valuable and more detailed. So I'm going to give you the floor, give me the breakdown on the rules for betting most improved player.
1: All right, so I got four rules for most improved. Just a quick reminder, here's the last 10 most improved winners. Last year, Larry Markkanen, John Morant, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam. That's your last five. And then the previous five is Oladipo, Giannis, CJ McCollum, Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic. So as I look through the trends here, I'm really focusing on those 10 guys. So rule number one, pretty much the same rule for all these awards for the most part. As always, the numbers matter, especially the points. We like our points. We like our numbers. We know this. So. Here's how it breaks down. Every most improved player the last 10 years has improved in points and rebounds and assists per game. The lone exceptions, Dragic and Morant dropped one assist per game. But effectively, you go up at everything. Well, why? Because part of that is you got a lot better, you improved, so you played a lot more. And if you play more, you're going to rebound, you're going to get assists. So this is not one I'm focusing on PRA. Rebounds and assists, to me, mostly look like a product of playing time. It's points. So year before most improved, the average for those last 10 guys, 15 points a game. The year they won, the average goes up to 22. And actually goes even a little higher if you exclude Siakam and McCollum, who effectively weren't playing the year before they won. They went from like barely even coming off the bench. So we're looking at points per game something like a 47-ish percentage boost. Like you need to go up 50% in your scoring, basically. Now it used to be you started around like 12 to 17 and took a bump. The last four years, it's guys who are at the 15 to 20 range. That means they're leaping up into like 24, 27 points a game like we saw with marketing last year, a really big jump. So we need our points. We're gonna need a lot of points. If you're at 24, 25, 27 range, you know, you're probably like a top 10, 15, 20 scorer in the league. That's the sort of guy we're looking for here. So we need the points as always. Yeah, I
0: think um, there are, I think, definite pathways to just scoring, getting you home here. Uh, If we look back at some of the guys, like Laurie Markkinen is not like a multifaceted player, right? Like Laurie's not like an absurd rebounder. He's not a playmaker. He's not a defender. He just gets buckets. He was really efficient last year in terms of scoring and being the number one option I think is become uh, really important in that context. You know, Julius Randle, I do think is a little bit more versatile in that aspect. Jaws, a really good passer, let the assist, I think, help him there in in terms of how he was able to win that war. But then you got like really Brandon Ingram. and That was really like Brandon started listening to his coaching that said, hey, you need to shoot more threes. And then he shot more threes and his points went up. Amazing. And then Brandon stopped doing that because, well... <laughs> things change um yeah, you know, Victor Oladipo I think is like another one here where it's like Vic's a good defender and a, a, he was a plus defender that year uh with Indiana but in general it was like kind of evolution to a number one option and usually number one options score a lot CJ McCollum another one of those guys obviously fits that mold so this makes a lot of sense I mean some of this is it is kind of interesting that there's this kind of split between it's not an award defined by pure scorers it's defined mm-hmm. by number one options for scores, yeah. guys that become number one options for scoring, or in some cases, number two, um, but make that leap to at least the top two scorer on the team um, when they weren't that previously.
1: Yeah, nine of the last 10 have scored at least 20 points a game the year they won. The last four are all 24 and higher. So, yeah, if you're putting up 20 points, 24 and higher, you are either the number one scorer or you're the 1B on your team pretty much. So, you need the points. All right, rule number two. All right. Rule number two. This one is similar kind of to where we went with MVP. The age matters here and it matters a lot. So most improved players are young and early in their careers, but not not too young. Here's what that means. Eight out of our 10 winners were 25 or younger. So half of them are either age 24, 25, as always using a basketball reference age cutoff there. So February one cutoff. And then we got three 22 year olds, and the only outliers were Julius Randall, age 26, Goran Dragic, age 27. So average age of the last group, last 10 years, is 24 years old. And then similarly, we're looking for a very specific period in their career. And I'm guessing, Matt, you and I might fight on this a little bit. We'll see when we get to the best bets on players. But in the last 10 years, six of the 10 winners were in either year four or year five in their career. So it is a very narrow window of two draft years basically that we're looking at for over half of our winners. The average career year is is 4.5. So effectively right in that sweet spot year 4, year 5. Again, Dragic was year 6, Randall is year 7. It's the other two exceptions are Siakam and McCollum and interestingly that those are the only juniors. So no sophomores. We've not had any sophomore win this award since Monte Ellis 2007. That's 15 plus years. That's out. The juniors who won, Siakam and McCollum, aren't really improving. They're coming from like, I didn't play at all to now I'm a good player. Like They're improving, but they're not improving from bad to good. They're improving from like unplayable to good. So I think if you want a junior, a third year player, you probably need to look at somebody who's not already kind of good and improving. We don't have a recent historical precedent for that player. That's the year four and five guys. So yeah, I've got a couple other notes here, but I'm going to stop there. What do you think about the age 24, the year four and year five thing?
0: I'm with you. I'm with you a hundred percent. I actually think we're on the same page here. Um, okay. I think, there's been like an evolution I want to get to when we talk about the award in terms of the profile that we've seen over the last, this span that you're talking about versus historically. Um, But like a kind of what you're referring to the ones where they're not playing the most hilarious one. And I, you know, it would have been really funny if we, if like I was at action in 2016 when CJ won, because the season ended for the blazers and immediately everyone's like, Oh, CJ's winning most improved player next year. (laughs) Yeah. And then CJ won most improved player. Yeah. Like it was just very obvious. Cause it was like, they cleared out space so that CJ could play more. CJ stepped in, filled that role and scored a ton of points and won the award. And so when you have, I think that's one of the things that most improved, I definitely think does in part refer to opportunity because
1: mm-hmm.
0: Brandon Ingram got more opportunity when he won with the Pelicans, Julius Randle, quite honestly, got a lot more opportunity with the Knicks than he had in his previous stops. So he was a winner. Like the the kind of tie here is the first couple of years, if you have not established yourself as a 1A star, like if you don't win rookie of the year and it takes you a little while to earn that spot, once you earn it, which is usually three, four years, the game slows down and you start to understand it. You're starting to enter your prime and you're a vet. Now, all of a sudden, it's like you get more opportunity. That to me is like the corollary here is that we can take yeah. the age and correlate that with op- with usage opportunity. And that probably gets us to a nexus, if you will, of what we're looking for.
1: Yeah, I think that that's right. And to me, here's the interesting takeaway on this one. If you look at odds, and we're going to get to the odds, we'll get to our favorite bets. But on most odd pages... Let me run through some names that this rule... A lot of times my rules don't necessarily tell me who's going to win, but they often tell me who might not win. They give me enough red flags, where, especially if I see a couple of them, like, uh uh-oh, this may not be the right candidate. So here are some names of guys who are too young to win this award. If we're we're right about year four and five or year three needing to be that step up. So year two, the guys who were rookies last year. I'm just going to rattle them off. We know the guys, Paolo, Jabari, Keegan... Uh, Ivy, Matherin, Shaden Sharp, Jalen Williams. These are guys who are high on the odds rankings right now. Not as much as year three. Cade Cunningham, who's second in most of the odds right now. Year three player. Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes. He's popular right now. Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner. Popular choices, high in the odds rankings. Austin Reeves, undrafted, but third year. Shane Goon. Every one of those guys that I just mentioned by this rule, are effectively ineligible to win uh, most improved. So here's what that means. I counted up the odds. And if you go by consensus odds at BetMGM and the other books, 12 of the top 20 guys are off the board if this rule is true. 12 of the top 20 are not actually bettable choices. So we're down to 8 out of 20, and that dramatically shifts the odds and tells me if we're right about this, there might be a lot of value here because we are pricing in a lot of options who don't really fit the usual pattern.
0: So I think that that one of the things that's that's kind of weird here is have you how much have you considered the draft position of these players?
1: Yeah, so I, I just a little bit a weird trend I had noted here. Three of our last six winners were the former number two pick, so that's weird. Just yep. we're doing that apparently. However, if I want year four and year five, and I want the number two pick, here are my two choices. John Morant, oops, already won the award and, you know, some other things. And we're left with our most improved player, James Wiseman. No, thank you. Not going to get my money. So, yeah, we do have the number two pick thing. It's weird, though, because I think what you're hinting at is we're taking these top picks. Like, last year, Anthony Edwards was the favorite going into the season. The number one pick, who everyone knows is good, So like now we're at Cade as one of the top choices who was the number one pick and had this breakout summer, you know, getting ready for team select, whatever it was, the team that lost to all the other teams at the World Cup, that team. So Cade is high in the list. Scotty is very popular, who literally won Rookie of the Year, and now he can be most improved. Like, (laughs) let's, let's transition this into what you brought up about the historical pattern, because I don't really have that as a rule, but you're right. Like. Isaac Austin is not winning most improved player anymore. And, and like some of the guys that you, that this award used to be for, Hey buddy, you made it. You're in the rotation. Now we're so glad yeah. you're part of the team. That is not this anymore. So talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So like, if we go back into the two thousands, right. Because I think you do have to kind of keep this somewhat, somewhat recent, like last 20 years, I think is, is at least a, a good starting place. And when we kind of look at this, we've got like Bobby Simmons won it. And then Boris Diao and Monte Ellis Keto Turkoglu, Danny Granger, uh, Aaron Brooks won this award. <laughs> Kevin Love won the award. And I think that's when we started to see, like, Love is yeah. the first one I can kind of track an 11 of highly hyped prospect, supposed to be really good, gets more opportunity, and wins most improved.
1: It is good um, now.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then Ryan Anderson. So we kind of go back, right? Like, we have Kevin Love, and then it goes back to Ryan Anderson, which is like, oh, hey, look at this guy.
1: Well, you know, he said yeah. Ryan Anderson is kind of like Kevin Love, right? You know, this is a pretty similar player. So maybe we just decide to like fall into a lane for a while. And then
0: Paul George, right? And then uh, Drogic, which I think like we can admit like that's a universal outlier. Like yeah. Drogic was yep. very clearly an outlier where it was like. Well, and international, veteran, I think,
1: leans into that as well because it kind of changes your career path for coming from international
0: yeah it does. and I also just think that like look, yeah, if a rotation player winds up like flirting with the MVP discussion at age 27 then yeah, they're probably gonna be <laughs> in consideration for this award and we'll tell you sure. about it then. Um, Jimmy comes in in 2015, and that's one where it's like that's a I, I think a little bit of an outlier given his mo, but it's also kind of representative of guys that evolve into like he was a thirtieth pick and so but like he evolves into a star. And, yeah. and really what you start to see here is like PG in 2013 was a star. Like that team made the conference finals versus the heat, right? So we've got Kevin Love kind of starts it and then PG's a star and then Jimmy Butler's a star. Then we go back to CJ and then we go to Giannis <laughs> and then Victor Oladipo who was an all-star that season. And then Siakam, who was an all-star that season, and then Ingram, who was, and you're going to, I know you're going to talk about this in the next rule, but it it does kind of give us this kind of, the shift that we've seen over time, which is, it doesn't even matter if they were drafted expected to be stars. Like, this is the big thing I think to consider when we talk about this point, is don't let your preconceived notion of what their career was supposed to be- Mm -hmm deter you from the value because a lot of people are like how like a lot of people are still mad because they're like how is John Morant most improved like he was the number two overall pick and was given the franchise from day one and it's like ah you're absolutely right (laughs) but it's more a matter of like did you honestly make a leap to where even if you were supposed to be there this isn't most improved versus expectation. This is just yeah. most improved. And that, to me, I think is a key point as we move on.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go right into rule three because that's effectively is half of what rule three is. So all 10 guys looking back, every one of them leapt into all-star and even all-NBA consideration. Why do I make that distinction? We got 24 all-stars, usually more like 30 by the time we you know, have some injury replacements and whatnot. All-NBA is 15. That's half. That's half as many all-stars. And we'll get to the numbers in a second. So kind of what you were saying, a few notes. This is not an award for the guy that went from a fringe of the roster to a sure rotation spot. We're very happy for you. We should have an award for you. We don't have an award for you. I'm sorry. We've changed it to new superstar award. That's this award. So it's also not for surprisingly steady contributors or like great Dorian Finney Smith, three and D role player that we found off the scrap heap. This we're not this. We don't do the award for that. Importantly, it's not for Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood, or Miles Bridges, guys who step into a new higher usage situation and get the numbers, but like we know they're not all-stars. We know they're not all NBA-type guys. And I think Lowry's interesting here because as you know, and you would call out correctly in me, I kind of discounted him last year. For I, I counted him into the Jeremy Grant, Christian Wood sort of grouping. I was like, oh, it's, it's cute. You're in Utah. Somebody's got a score. I guess it's you. But when you look at the numbers, as I've had to, he legitimately got a lot better and efficient and is an all star and is an all NBA caliber player. Like that part had to come with it. So here's the numbers. If you look back in recent years, and even it's not even the whole 10 years, like you said, Drogic and Jimmy, not quite that far back. So five of our last six made their first all star game uh, the year that they won most improved. So I know we always talk about all star game as an important check mark there. None of our 10 had previously made an all-star game. So that's another kind of red flag that you would think, yeah, duh, they're a star already. But we've got guys in the odds that are a little high on the list where it's like, yeah, you've been an all-star before. So that's that's out. And then why well, I made the all-NBA distinction. One last thing here. Six out of our last 10 made all-NBA the year that they won. So you're a top 15 player. That's how much you improved to. And three of them barely missed. They got votes. They finished effectively fourth team all NBA or maybe fifth team only CJ McCollum is the only one that did not get a single vote so to me that's an important distinction you don't just need to become an all star you need to be like a top 15 or 20 player you got to be one of the true NBA stars we think of
0: so I think one of the interesting things uh here as we look at it well first off I'll just say this and we we told you this last year and we'll repeat it now when the first all-star returns come out look for the guys that have not been an all-star before. Yep. Then when people start publishing, when writers start publishing their list of who they'd have as the reserves, take a look at those guys. And if you find a name that is on Zach Lowe's list and uh, Chris Herring at SI's list and other, like the ringers lists, when those lists come out, if you cross reference, you will probably find the guy that's going to win most improved player that yep. if they are a first time all star. So, like, we can, again, we can kind of cross tabulate some of this, right, where it's like first time all star in that age range. That is a number one option that has gotten this opportunity. One of the things I think is is also kind of interesting here is it, it relates to what you were saying about he's already been an all star. I noticed that guys don't win this award if they popped on the ballot before we've talked about MVP mm. and how you usually do want to be on the ballot the year before yeah that the same guys that we talk about year after year after year it's not true for most improved player. You have your shot and then if you don't win it when you make the leap, they're not going to give you credit later for having made a smaller leap and the one previously. This is an accumulative effect right like Zach Levine was kind of in conversations when he made a big jump and then it was oh. Like Christian Wood has been in the spot like five times. Nope, not going to happen, right? Yeah. Like consistently, we see guys that I don't think that you can win. And that's where I think it gets interesting because there's a name that we're going to have to talk about who finished second last year that I think is like a really tough one to debate whether or not voters would be willing to give him that award. And I, I kind of lean no. We'll talk about it. But I think that's that's the kind of the other side of this coin is if you've already made an all-star team. You're not winning this award because you already had your shot the year that you made that first all-star team. That was your shot. And you only get one to win most improved player.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Anthony Edwards is a good example that kind of proves that one too. Like we said, he was the favorite for this award last year and then kind of had a slow start, fell off a little bit, made the all-star team, was a star, was the star of the World Cup team this summer, but like, isn't even listed as an option at books for the most places because... It's not like, well, we don't think he's going to improve anymore. And everyone knows Anthony Edwards is going to improve and and have a great season, be a star. That's the problem. Like, everybody knows. So it's like, this is kind of our way of capturing the narrative here. And part of it is, we talked about, like, the points improvement and the, the all-star improvement. Once you make that first leap that you're talking about, if you got close enough to be, like, actually in the conversation, we said, like, you got to increase your points by 50%. So if you are, if you leapt last year, and you scored 22 points a game. Congratulations! By the math, you got to score 33 a game now to to actually like be in the mix for this award. And guess what? The other thing too is if you actually did that, which you could, maybe Anthony Edwards like leads the league in scoring. Well, now you're in the MVP conversation, and you're not in the MIP conversation. Those still seem to be mostly distinct as well. Like I remember a few years ago, uh, Luca's breakout season. Where it was like, okay, Lucas is, is he most improved? Well, I don't know, because he's already like third or fourth on my MVP ballot, and he did not win that year, which I think is telling. So it's yeah, you, you get one shot at your at your big improvement leap, one shot at this award. Cause I think you graduate after you're one of those top five guys, you, you have moved up, and now you're like you're in the mix for the other big awards, the MVPs and that sort of thing.
0: Buckets is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, what's rule number four? Let's wrap it up.
1: All right, rule number four, winning matters too. And uh, we'll talk about this one a little bit because it did not last year. But history says winning usually matters for most improved. Eight out of our last 10 winners made the playoffs. Lowry did not. However, who did he beat out? He beat out Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Tyrese Halliburton, who also did not make the playoffs. Well, Shea made a play in. So maybe now we get the 10 spots instead of ace. That helps. But yeah, we did not have a clear playoff top six seed sort of candidate last year. The other miss was Brandon Ingram. Ingram barely beat out Bam Adebayo the year that he won. Bam made the finals that year. So we're looking for a playoff contender. That is to say, don't just bring me your empty points on a 25-win team. That's the caveat here. Usually these are not teams going deep in the playoffs. They're just not bottom feeders either. They're that like, five to eight seed range like julius randall is kind of a good example of improved is a star makes all makes the leap gets the all-star team team gets to the playoffs team loses in the playoffs because they were relying too much on julius randall the brand new star who wasn't ready for that next level of stardom yet that's kind of the the sort of bullseye spot we're looking here so i'm a little concerned we did not have a playoff winner last year, so is this still a rule, or is this another one where uh, we don't really need wins anymore? We'll just kind of toss that one aside a little bit, like we've seen in some of our other recent awards.
0: I mean, I think there's a floor. Okay, uh, with Laurie in, yeah. with Laurie in the lineup, they were on pace for a 39 win team, and that's not good, right? But it does say it does reinforce your point of you can't be putting like Jalen Green, just hypothetically, not a great candidate for this award. Right. Um, Maybe he wins. Maybe he makes a huge leap and and does the whole thing um, and, and they get the 30 wins. But like, I think it's hard for you to win if you if your team is below 30 wins. I think it's difficult if your team is below 35 wins. I think it's. Very doable if your team is above 35 wins. I don't know that you need like a playoff team. Uh, I think it helps. I think this is probably less of a rule and more of like a bonus. I think you get bonus points if your team wins. But if you put up, if you make a massive jump as a number one option for a team that is within spitting distance of 500, I think you're probably in range here.
1: Yeah, and I think Halliburton last year is kind of a good example here as to why do wins matter maybe you're right. Maybe it's not that it's a rule as much as an indicator or a bonus where Halliburton's another one where the Pacers when Halliburton was healthy, were were right in the mix. They were could You know, they were similar to the jazz by their record, win record pace. And then they decided to tank at the end. Cause guess what? If you're not very good, then you tank at the end. If you're not a playoff team, then you like try to improve your draft pick a lot of times. And how do you do that? Oh, I have a good idea. Sit the guy who's a star in our team and is going to make us win games. I don't want to win anymore. The last three weeks, right? Like, And then I'm not voting for you to win most improved if you're just like not playing games the final month of the season when I I can be excited about this other star making a push for the playoffs or that sort of thing. So yeah, it it maybe is not a a cause effect. Maybe the wins are the effect that like they're the indicator of the fact that your guy is at least good enough to keep on playing and pushing. And I I do have uh, one of my three picks as we get to some of the guys now. Doesn't really fit a wins level I'm comfortable with, but fits enough of the other stuff. So yeah, let's talk about some of the guys here. Where do you want to start?
0: Let's give me, uh, just go ahead and, and give me um, the three, you've got three bets and then we can kind of yeah. pick them apart. And then we can talk about some of the other guys. Um, but give me the three best bets that you have for most of the free player.
1: <laughs> All right. So as always, make sure you shop around, especially on this award, odds really vary from book to book. So get the best number you can out there. My three guys, and I'm going to have a caveat for each one, but here are the three. Tyrese Maxey, 16 to 1, is my favorite bet on the board with a caveat coming. Jordan Poole, surprise, we found my wins don't matter candidate. 24 to 1, Jordan Poole, and Desmond Bain, 40 to 1. If you play those three guys at those numbers together, you're basically getting a plus 710 ticket for the three. So Maxey, Poole, Bain, that's my three.
0: I don't want to burn more money on Tyrese Maxi, Brandon, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I burned so much money so, on him
1: last year. Here's the here's my case on Maxi. So last year to start the season, October, November, he averaged 23 points a game. Then he got hurt. And then the Sixers were really good and did the other things. And, you know, James Harden needed to get his stuff and Embiid needed to get all of his MVP points. And Maxi just never quite got back to that level again. But to, here's the caveat with Maxi. This is 16 to one. If the season starts and James Harden shows up and is like, eh, water under the bridge. I'm good. Let's play ball. Let's play. Let's go. Let's go in a championship Philly. sounds like a thing that he'll do, right? That seems like a thing I'd like to bet on. If that, if that's how this goes, I don't like this bet. I don't want it. I want no part of it. If James Harden is traded at this very moment while we're recording and is off of the team. Now it depends. We don't know what they would get. Obviously something to help the team. I'm betting on James Harden being traded. That's the bet here. If Harden was just like magically off the roster tomorrow and no replacement, I would genuinely make Maxi like plus 300 here, Mm. plus 200. Like I would make him a heavy, serious favorite. He is year four. He can make a huge leap in scoring and I think even a little bit in assists if there was no James Harden on the team. He's the second star. He absolutely, to me is an all-star caliber player and a maybe all-NBA caliber player if he gets the opportunity. He checks all the other boxes. I just need James Harden out of here. So I'm willing to bet this, and I would encourage you, if you like that, bet it now. Because if James gets traded, you're not getting a 16-1 anymore. It's gone in a hurry. So I'm betting now on effectively, if I think he should be plus 200 or 300, okay, what are the chances that James Harden gets traded? I can factor that in and multiply them together. And I, I like the odds of a Harden trade happening at some level, sometime. plus what happens with Maxie afterward. That's the caveat. So he's my favorite pick if James is gone. And I just think that history tells us James is probably not long in Philly. So I'm willing to, to take the risk here. If
0: you bet this and Harden gets traded and then Embiid gets traded, how do you feel about it?
1: I think I'm still okay with that. Okay. Like the the reason that I wouldn't be is, okay, Philly has gone in the tank and now they don't, you know, they don't win anything. I'm not really sure that's the case. The East has some very bad teams. And like, I I don't know who you're trading Harden and Embiid for, but you're getting something. Somebody's coming to play some basketball in Philadelphia. And so like now I got Maxi and Tobias and like some decent players from James Harden and from Joel Embiid. Like, now I have last year's Nets, where it's like, all right, well, you're not a real playoff team. Like, congratulations, pat you on the head. Like, when we do the playoff preview for that series, it's a three minutes and out Philadelphia preview, but you're still, like, made the mix because you had a bunch of dudes. So, I, I don't think I hate that. I think I'm okay with that outcome. Okay. Um, walk me through Desmond Bain. Yeah, Desmond Bain, I think, is a, is a bet on we all we love the Grizzlies we all like the Grizzlies so last year first 12 games again before he got hurt 24.7 points a game he had some really big assist games in there he's also had stretches where he stepped up when one draw, John Morant was not in the lineup in those games and that's where we're at to start the season 25 games with no John Morant somebody's got to score points on that team and Bain I think is going to have some big big numbers out of the gates like We saw Jaron score some buckets at the World Cup. I think they're going to go to him a little bit. But Marcus Smart's not coming in to like start scoring a bunch of points for this team. He's going to get his shots up. We know that. But I think Desmond Bain is going to be... He's going to have a good case for All-Star because when we start voting for All-Star 25 games into the year, he's going to have been the star on a team that's putting up like 25, 28, 30 points a game. I don't understand why why couldn't Desmond Bain put up something similar to the Bradley Beal numbers we got a few years ago where he's like a threat for leading the league in scoring even because who's who else is going to take a ton of shots on this team? And I think he's, I think he's good at it. Like the efficiency is there and I think he can be an all-star all NBA feels like a leap, but the dude just got a max contract extension this summer. Like he's not good. He is a top, 10 guard, I think, in the NBA right now and could improve a little bit this year. So 40 to one, I just think is too long of a number. And he probably is my best all-in candidate between the three.
0: 25 years old, so we're we're right at the limit for for Dez. He did get votes in the 2022 Most Improved Player Vote. He finished uh, fifth that season with 74 votes, uh, or 74 points, rather, and seven first-place votes. So again, we kind of go back to like, I don't love that. Yeah. That's kind of concerning To counter that though. One of the reasons I like this and I'll be with you on this one is the narrative will be extremely powerful if we're right. Like a lot of this is like, if we're, if we're wrong on one of these things, then Brandon and I are taking a dip in the old ROI um and brandon can Memphis
1: sucks, we're gonna yeah. lose a lot of bets <laughs>
0: yeah the grizzlies are if if when jaw gets back they're 11 and 14 it's whelp city for us um but we don't think that that's going to be the case we think they're going to be really good we think they're going to be awesome and i don't okay this is a very i have to put a lot of context on what i'm about to say desmond bain's numbers compare extremely favorably to James Harden's in 2012. The year before he left for Houston, his last year with OKC. He was a sixth man, but he was obviously playing starter minutes. He was considered part of the big 3 with Russ and KD. He had a lower he had a a, a moderately lower usage, not extremely, because KD and Russ were still taking a huge chunk of shots. Um Desmond very genuinely kind of looks like he's got that kind of capacity for what Harden was for the Thunder. I am not saying that if Desmond Bain got traded tomorrow, <laughs> he would become a multi-year MVP candidate um, at all. At the same time, to kind of counteract that is, he may not have Harden's ceiling, he's also a way better defender. Um, now, that I, we can agree that doesn't as typically matter in, in most improved players, just go down the list of guys and that doesn't matter. But what I do think is the narrative will be really great here. If they are way better than expected, when Jaw gets back, there's going to be like a huge, like Desmond Bain got them through the first 25 games without Ja. And if he takes the kind of usage jump, I'm very high on their offense for the first two, first time since being like, we've, I faded them last year. We hit the under by just a half a game. Woo. Um, But like we fade them in the playoffs and it was all built around their half court offense. That looks like it's going to be a lot better. I think Desmond's assists go up. I think his scoring goes up. He's super efficient. He's the only shooter. He's durable for the most part. Uh, I'm with you. I think this one looks, I think this one is a really good bet despite him having previously appeared because this is an opportunity for him to make the leap that we're talking about. Desmond went from like, Oh, like young guy, pretty good in 2022 to like, he was like, like it was like, Oh, young guy to like, Oh, he's like a solid rotation piece he has the capacity this year to go from like, oh yeah, there's like John and and Jaren. And then like, they've also got Bane to no, no, it's jaw and Bane and also Jaren. And that leap with the all-star consideration, I think is really important. Love this bet. I can't believe you have Jordan (laughs) pool. I can't believe I'm hearing Jordan pool come out of your mouth. Please explain this to me.
1: (laughs) Admittedly, this is my least favorite of the three, but You you may have noticed this year, as I kind of build a portfolio on some of these awards, I am sometimes betting against myself on them, where I'm like, you know what? What if my rules are wrong? You know, we talk about the caveats of what if winning doesn't matter as much? What if the award is changing trajectory? And I'm working to maybe add one name in each portfolio where it's like, okay, what if the award is moving this direction? That's my Jordan Poole bet here. So we knew the minute he got traded, the whole the conversation everywhere. Our slack all over online was holy crap, he's gonna put up numbers. Like he's in Washington, Bradley Beale and Porzingis vacate 46 points a game for this team. So somebody's gonna get shots up, and somebody's name is Jordan Poole. The man is gonna be shooting. He scored 20 game last year. Could he get to 28? Could he get to 30? Absolutely. Like again, why can't he be actually Bradley Beale on the team? As far as the numbers that he could put up, he can get some assists. I don't really want him to because I don't think he's got a great handle or decision making. But numbers, hooray! He averaged twenty four and a half points a game as a starter last year, so the numbers are going to be there. Like he's going to put up, I, I would project something like a twenty seven to three and six or something like. And I'm sorry. If if Jordan Poole won this award, I'd probably be very unhappy with it as as like a fan and historian of the game. I'd be like, come on, really, Jordan Poole, really? But he's had very good flashes. It's possible he's young enough still that maybe he actually improved with like the more playing time, improved the efficiency in the shot selection. I'm not really betting on that, but it's possible. It's in there still. I think it's just possible that voters will be like, geez, 28 points a game, fourth in the league in scoring. Jordan Poole, I guess that's our guy. Washington, I think, is good enough to at least be like the Utah this year. He could be the Lowry of like, all right, we're kind of like eh, sort of 500 until maybe late in the year. I think Washington could be kind of that in the East. So it's gross. I don't like it. I don't like Jordan Poole. My, my Warriors fandom is so glad to be rid of him. But, you know, he may as- he owes me some money. He's taking a lot of my money. So he he owes me a 24 to 1. Did I convince you at all on Jordan Poole?
0: No. uh, I just, I, I, man, I don't know. I guess it's not all that, that altogether different than Ingram, though. It's not like entirely different. Like that Pelicans team. That's not a bad comp. That Pelicans team wasn't great. Ingram's not a good defender. You know, I think, I think Ingram's efficiency mattered. And so like that's that I think is the big key here is your is your you have to be triggering this based off of Jordan making a massive leap in his efficiency, which if he's never having to do anything on defense, maybe that's possible, right? Like it's just if the Wizards are just all offense, I think the other concern I think you got to have, though, is um, if they wind up, if this doesn't go well, if the Wizards are not a surprise story and they could be, I don't know, this this roster is really weird. Like there's good players on this roster. Yeah. But if it goes sideways, I think you run into the possibility of them shutting him down for a lot of the late season. And then if it's cl- like, I don't see a scenario where like Jordan has run away with it by all star, right?
1: And yeah, so that's of, probably true.
0: And so if that's the case, then I think there's probably a drop off at the number. I don't mind it, right? At the number, it's it's hard. It's hard to find find reasons to not bet forty to ones in in the award markets. If you notice, like we have a hard time with with being like or twenty four to one in this case of like. You know, right. if you're getting, a, if you're getting, a, if we're only going to bet long shots for the most part here. And so it's kind of hard to find it. Uh, you have a, a, a name on here that I think is two that are pretty interesting to talk about. Let's talk about them, them pretty quickly. Um, you got Zion at 100 to one. I don't think he'll get credit for staying healthy. I just don't. I think everybody will be like, no, yeah. he was this impactful before. He just didn't play enough games. So I can't get there right. on Zion mpj though i think is worth talking about that's an interesting one talk to
1: me about mpj yeah so mpj is at about 17 and a half points like we know we know the star level that's in there we've seen it we've seen it for a game we've seen it for stretches the narrative would be so obvious this is a dude who like could barely stay on the court in the finals that we just watched with his team winning and he could not make a shot to save his life we all saw that so if suddenly he came out stayed healthy which is important and actually like put it all together, especially maybe I think you're probably a bit banking on Jokic kind of tones it down for the season, Jamal Murray, rests, take some days off. Like we need we need MPJ to, to be the third star. Kind like you said with Ja and Jaren and then Desmond Bain. Like a few years ago, this was Jamal and MPJ and Jokic, they were the three. They were the core three, right? Now, like now, Aaron Gordon might be the third guy. I don't even know where MPJ fits on the list. But 17 half points, by my math, you need to get to like 24, 25. I think it's possible. The big problem with MPJ and Zion is that, and I looked it up to make sure, the 65-game minimum absolutely applies to most improved player. So now I got a bet on MPJ or Zion playing 65 games. And I think I'm out. So I don't know if I can get there. MPJ is 60 to one. Zion is a hundred to one. Even if Michael Porter made the leap we're talking about, given his health history, and you can answer to this cause you're right there and you know, the Denver stuff. Like, I don't think that they'd play him enough, like just to protect themselves, especially if he got that good, even more so they would want to like, make sure to rest him a little bit and get him healthy for the playoffs. Like I, if, if Zion plays 65 games, he's in the MVP conversation, not most improved. If MPJ plays, I I, just, I don't know how MPJ plays 65 games. He's never done that before.
0: I think it's possible. Um, I think they were really cautious with him last year. I think that in large part, one of the reasons that he may play more this season is he made so many sacrifices last year. Like, it really needs to be, it cannot be stated enough that MPJ kept telling us, I'm a winner, I'll do what it takes to win. And we were like, Mm, will you though? And then he did it. He defended. <laughs> he he did, rebounded. Yeah. He ran to the corners. He did his job. Like I was really impressed with MPJ, MPJ's maturity last yep. year. Side tangent: It's a big reason why Bones Highlands no longer on the Nuggets is that all the veterans were like, "Look what MPJ has sacrificed. He's better than you." Like that's a large <laughs> part of it. So I think there's probably a little bit of value on this. But uh, what if you're looking at the wrong Nugget? Are you coming
1: back to Jamal Murray? Is that where we're going here?
0: Twenty-six years old. At the very, oh, very man, top I, Jamal
1: Murray was, was was my long shot in this. His MPJ was one of my three last year. And then I brought up Jamal Murray and you're like, no, no, I can't. It can't be Jamal. He's too good already. And then we watched Jamal play at an all-star level in the playoffs and win a championship. I think they said they were think think you that good. Your point. I, think
0: my, I think my argument was that he wouldn't play enough games, which he didn't. And sure, that's fair and uh that he's never had an all-star appearance before which he has
1: never started. been an all-star somehow which is absurd yeah, he starts like, slow. He, like, he, he is at fall. this point mike conley he's the guy we all agree is the should be on an all-star team at some point he starts really slow but what if he doesn't hmm.
0: at 60 to 1 which is a number in the market i think there's a little bit of value there uh i'm with you on bane we talk all the time about the guys that we want to bet because we think they should win, but they won't like Franz Wagner. I think would be a great candidate here. He's just not going to score enough. He's just not going to put up enough shots. Like Franz Wagner is going to be the guy that I'm like, but look at what he's doing for the magic. And everyone's like, yeah, but he's he, he's only averaging 18. And okay. Wah, wah. The Spurs guys, Keldon Johnson and Vassell, Keldon, I think yeah. they're interesting, but I don't think they'll win enough games. And they're going to yeah. be so far off the radar. I think it's going to be very hard for them to gain traction um and now let's let's bear in mind i didn't have a single spur on my top 100 which i don't feel great about like that's probably not accurate like i will i am actively trying to like figure out where i'm going to put kelvin Um it
1: had uh just to clarify did you consider rookies did you like no. did you consider women Yama for your list
0: nope. i never consider okay, rookies they don't exist so. until they've logged them in it to me yeah. um Let's talk about the, about the top real quick because we should mention like we've discussed before yeah. that like I won't take anybody below nine to one in preseason. It's a new rule I'm I'm trying this year. Um, there's a name here at the top that I think does kind of, does qualify. But let's talk about the two top ones. Mikhail's plus six fifty. Mikhail Bridges. He got votes last year. I will say I don't think it's it wouldn't surprise me if he won at this number. This isn't like there's no way he should be the favorite. Like I get it. I get it. Mikhail is like extremely well-respected and is a good, he's like, he put up some 40 point performances last season. The Nets may very well be like a 500 team. 39. Like there's no reason they can't be in Utah's range. Like there's just no reason they can't get there. Um, And so if that happens, maybe there's carryover where it's like if Mikhail goes from like, hey, you know who's been really good for the Suns while Booker's been hurt? And then, hey, you know who's been pretty good for the Nets since the trade? And he goes to like, hey, Mikhail Bridges, but he's going to have to make like a leap into like top five. Like, do I think that Mikhail Bridges can average 28 plus? Like, is that is that a reasonable thing to kind of expect? What did he average last year with um,
1: with Brooklyn? Well, th- yeah, so that's but- what I was going to say. So he averaged 20 for the season, but he averaged 26.1 in Brooklyn on yeah. 61% true shooting. So yep. like, to to me, this one's interesting. I-, I think he's the right favorite. He is this year's Tyrese Halliburton. Like, we saw this a year ago. We saw Halliburton go to Indiana. We got two months of what does he look like in a bigger role. And we were like, huh, like you said before, CJ McCall, and we ended the season, we're like, so he's going to win it next year. You remember Joe DeLara and I were all over the Halliburton thing last year like we've seen it we've seen him already we already know he's this improved that's McHale. like we've got the sample 26 a game why couldn't he get to 28 like that's negligible difference could he make all nba could he make all star absolutely like he's he could be that caliber of player especially if he scores that much so he's year 6 he's he's a little bit on the high end that's outside of the range of the of the age I'm looking for I think though I I would have a hard time betting a favorite on this award. I don't know the history of do the favorites win most improved, but I feel like no, just because we're surprising. But if if you want to ignore the portfolio stuff and you want to listen right now, bet one time and check back at the end of the year to see if you won, I think that's your bet. Like I think McHale is your most likely most improved winner. I think that he's the obvious candidate, but I thought that about Halliburton last year. I thought he maybe should have won and then he kind of fell off toward the end.
0: We'll wrap with K, but I do want to talk about this for a second. I'm gonna bet Allie at 100 to one. At MGM. I'm gonna bet him.
1: Okay, you're gonna to have to tie me into this one because did he he already made an All Star team, right? I'm already
0: made an this would be an outlier, right? Um, already made an All Star. Um, already got votes last year. He's breaking our rules. I I fully admit this. Um, what would cause a, a what causes a player to break our rule set? And my answer would be if he makes such a leap that everybody goes like, oh, no, no, I thought he was like a fringe all-star. No, 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 no. Like Tyrese Halliburton is like a top five guard in the NBA. And I am telling you that I think the Pacers are going to make enough noise for that to at least be worthy of this bet. That like, that if the offense is as good as I think it can be, and I think it can be top five, He's going to have such an incredible combination of scoring and assist numbers that you're going to it's just going to be like, like those are going to pop so often when people are talking about it. He's efficient. He's in my opinion, he is the second best passer in the NBA. I did the film work on him last year and was blown away by how good he is. Like, I think he's passed everybody except Nicola for for who I think is the best pure passer in the NBA because Harden's gotten really sloppy. Like it's Jokic and then Tyrese to me. And that accuracy on passing creates a lot of assist opportunities. He didn't play. He, like, he got injured last season. That team went in the, into a spiral and they never really came out of it. They're not going to do that this year. They've got improved weapons. To me, this is, if the Pacers are all of a sudden like a big story, I think Tyrese Halliburton goes from like the last second addition that rubs it in the face of Wally Zerbiak to like, no, no, no. Like Tyrese Halliburton's on another level.
1: Here's my question. I I I really don't disagree with your assessment of Halliburton. I think he's a top 5 guard probably right now or pretty close to it. My question is this. We talked about the like do you have room to make another leap thing? And I think he has room to make a leap, but is there room for Halliburton who just was one of the stars on the World Cup USA team that lost, but still one of the stars who's been an all-star, can he leap from that to something that's not MVP top 5 caliber? Like is there I don't know if there's enough of a gap in there for like. I think if he makes the leap you're talking about, he's just in the MVP mix. However, as I thought through that, that's kind of what Shea was last year, and Shay finished top three voting here, finished fourth in MVP voting. So I guess that's the question: Can he have the Shay leap? And I think you think he can. Jaw finished seventh when he won in okay. MVP voting. All right. So that's kind of
0: the assessment here: is the perception of Tyrese Halliburton is remark is markedly lower than the perception of Ja Morant going into the season where Ja won. So Hallie, but I think he can get to Ja level. That's how good I think Hallie can be. So okay. that's the idea here is.
1: I buy that. He okay, starts- let me, uh, I want to get a couple other names on record here. Just get a quick response on it. Two New York Knickerbockers, RJ Barrett, top three pick, year five. Perfect. Right in the candidate and Emmanuel quickly, but only if there's a Knicks trade. Only if there's like Barrett's out and a different team or other guys come in. Like right now, there's not enough shots because we got too many guys there. Do you think anything on RJ or Quickly?
0: Uh, I think Quickly's shot was last season, and I think he missed it um, with the leap that he made. Yeah, and fair. and he was also in, in discussion for six man. Um, I don't see it happening this year for I don't know it it's possible right like I don't think it goes a bad bet but it's, I'm not really I'm just not moved by it um RJ okay. I just can't I just can't like for me it's it's he fits every single category I just don't think RJ Barrett's good enough to win and if he is yeah. then I'll be wrong and he'll be most improved <laughs> right so but it's like if we're trying to project if we're trying to find reasons to project improvement I can't get to a framework where he makes that kind of jump so I can't go there
1: yeah that's, I, I agree. I, effectively, he is Jordan Poole to me. Like, he, he, he would be a hate bet for me, where I'm like, I really don't want to make this bet. But I guess he that's all my categories, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Uh, two more for you. How about the other guy that might be on a different team by the time someone listen to this? I see a 60 to 1 right now on Tyler Hero. How about Tyler Hero on some other team? His most likely
0: landing spots are Portland, Utah, Brooklyn right now. Maybe Indiana. There's none of those spots where I see him getting the usage necessary for him to get this award. So no, that'd be my answer.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm I I'm with you on no on these. That's why they're not in my bets. But he's another one too. Where I'm like "Mm, all NBA. No, okay, okay. Last one is actually a few guys. What about the Orlando guards? Cole Anthony. We're talking about trading him. I actually like him. Like he's a pretty good fit. He was very good for them off the bench last year. If he goes like the magic don't have guards. So now Jalen sucks. Like he could be the guy who didn't really do anything and suddenly is good. Markel Fultz falls outside of the age range, but number one pick, like if he was suddenly good, easy narrative there. Anything, any of those three magic guards.
0: I keep waiting for Markel's shot to stabilize. And it just hasn't until it does. I can't believe in it. Like I can't, I can't tell people to bet on something that I have no indication is going to occur. And that's the only way he gets home is if his shot stabilizes. Um, Suggs I think is interesting because the only problem is like his identity that he's being kind of molded into is like he's an elite defender. Like Jalen Suggs is really good defensively. And he's another one of those guys where it's like, What happened? Like he was such a good scorer in college. You know who else was a really good scorer in college? Marcus Smart. And like that doesn't so like if I could get a bet on Jalen Suggs is gonna win defensive player of the year at some point in his career, I would absolutely bet that. But I don't want to bet him for Hmm. most of player next season.
1: All right, that's Um, fair. That they're, they're guys I'm watching, but I, I think I'm with you on it. Let's wrap up with Cade Cunningham, because he's second in the odds. Cade's first year, we saw after the All-Star break, he went from 17.5 to 22.5 points a game. Already we saw that. He's effectively a sophomore, because we basically lost season last year. So he's not only year three outside of my range, he's really year two. He's really outside of my range. He's the number one pick. Doesn't make any sense to me. But man, people were excited about him and the select team and how good he looked this summer. Everyone wants Detroit to be good. Monty Williams has been a great player development guy. I absolutely wouldn't be surprised in the least if Cade made an all-star team, threatened all NBA, was really good this year. He doesn't fit my categories, but what do you think about Cade? So let's look back at the winners that have won
0: with a high draft pick spot. Okay, so Brandon makes it in 2020. Brandon Ingram makes it uh, in 2020. And they're kind of an exception to the rule in that they went 30 and 42. That's also the COVID year and they had the bubble appearance.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. To and if you notice
1: too, on any of the awards, the winning thing seems to go caveated in these shortened seasons. I think because we don't have our like usual winning marks to get to. We're like, ah, that's not 82 games anymore. I don't know how many wins is good.
0: And, but if we look at like, um, Laurie's team didn't make the playoffs, but by the time that he had made his case, Utah had hung around and were in playoff like range before yeah, they started. Agree. The yeah, uh, the Knicks made the playoffs. The Grizzlies made the playoffs with Ja. So you have this kind of thing. This is my problem: is it, Cade can make a huge leap and be awesome. That offense is still going to be wretched, and I can't see Rough. them getting to. I can't <laughs> see them getting to the thirty five wins. I just can't see Detroit getting there. And to me, it's like, if you can't get the 35 wins, I can't reasonably think that you're going to win this award as a number one pick. Like, if you're the number one pick and you make it to 45 wins, and it's like, hey, let him to the five seed. Sure. But a non-scorer, because that's not his game, a non-scorer with a questionable jumper making the leap and you're asking them to get the 35 wins, I can't get there.
1: Let's say that I tell you right now, the season just ended, and Cade Cunningham just made third team all NBA. Gimme his stat line and give me Detroit's record.
0: God. Twenty-five between six and a half and seven assists.
1: Rebounds. Assists. Okay. Um I don't have a fucking yeah, head Can he basically do like could he do could he do the LeBron 27 7 7? Could he put up that number? Like that's like not saying he's LeBron, but that's the sort of player we're hoping him to be is that kind of do everything wing handler type player. Can you get there? I don't think so. I, I think I, if you I want Cade, you're I, looking I at think- John Morant from two years ago. Number two pick. Cade's number one. We already know he's supposed to be good. I think that's the historical precedent, but I, it's not a bet that I can make right now. It's There's too many reasons it can miss for us.
0: Let's grab it up for Buckets. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys being with us to recap Brandon's best bets for most improved player. Desmond Bain, which you can find at 40 to one in the market. Tyrese Maxey at 16 to one and Jordan Poole, question mark, at 24 (laughs) to one. I do like Jamal Murray. At 100 to 1, you can find that in the market. Uh, I like Desmond Bain as well at 40 to 1. And I will probably uh, put a bet in on Tyrese Halliburton at 100 to 1. This will be a one that I'm definitely betting in season. We'll see how it goes. Not the surprise. That's how it goes. Thanks to David Payne, our producer, and our crack video crew putting these things up on YouTube. Make sure to check out the YouTube page, the Action Network app. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again. Let's get buckets.